Hello, I'm Andy McLenaghan and welcome to episode 74 of Let's Talk Social Work. Today we'll be discussing social work and government policy in Wales and that's not unusual for this podcast but what is a little different is that we'll be considering these issues with our focus on an individual and the role they have played in shaping both. Since 2018 the Welsh Government has been led by Mark Drakeford. A former social worker and social policy academic, Mr Drakeford held the posts of Cabinet Secretary for Finance and Minister for Health and Social Services before becoming First Minister. In December, he announced he'll stand down as leader of the Welsh Labour Party and First Minister in March 2024. I'm joined today, and today is Monday the 12th of February, by two social workers to reflect on Mark Drakeford's time in office and the impact he's had. They are Abid Quinn Aziz, reader in social work at Cardiff University and Basra Cymru committee member, and Plaid Cymru member of Gwyneth Council, Councillor Delith Lloyd-Griffiths. Abid, Delith, welcome to Let's... Well, Abid, welcome back. Delith, welcome to Let's Talk Social Work for the first time. How are you guys doing? Hello, very well. And you? Uh, I'm good, thanks. I'm good, thanks, Delith. And yeah, the sun's I'm, I'm shining here, so all's good. Is it? Sun shining. My, my curtains are closed, as they always are, for my acoustic insulation, so I don't know what it's like outside. Yes. Um, you are, you're in Cardiff at the moment, uh, um, Abid, is that right? Just outside Cardiff in Panath. Okay. And Delis, you're in North Wales, is that right? I'm in Carnarvon. I'm in Carnarvon, where the uh, headquarters of Gwynedd County Council is. Okay. And how are things there? It's absolutely lovely. I'm looking out here on the on the uh, sea and it's absolutely lovely. Good, good. It's a long, long time since I've been to Wales and I often want to go back. I always think my dad did, he spent a bit of time, I think he studied in Swansea back in the 70s. So I'm always kind of keen to kind of get over and have a look and try to find out what he experienced. I know this is a long time past, but I always have a fondness for, for Wales, South Wales in particular, but maybe someday, Abbott, I'll yeah. get over again. Yeah, it'd be we'll, nice to see you. We'll invite you face to, to, to Baswell Cymru. Oh, that would be a treat. That'd be a treat. That'd be wonderful. Now, we're talking about politics in Wales. Now, I'm very, very conscious, being in one of the devolved nations, being in Northern Ireland, that the nature of devolved politics um, might be alien to some of our listen- listeners. And People listening outside Wales may know a little bit about Mark Drakeford, but might know a huge amount. I know for a lot of people across the UK, uh, Mr. Drakeford came to national prominence, prominence during the COVID-19 pandemic. You know, He was so different in many ways from the Prime Minister at the time, Boris Johnson. I think he was, uh, kind of the media narrative would have been that he was regarded as understated and studious. Can we start with a bit of an overview of the type of person that Mark Drakeford is and how he's regarded by the Welsh public? I think he's a principled man. I think he, he, you know, he's from a social work and probation officer background. I did come across him in those roles briefly. Uh, and I think he's a very principled man. And I think the um, the issues around COVID, if you want to go straight into COVID, really, because, you know, he was seen when he was first a candidate. I think he was seen as somebody who couldn't quite put his tie on properly, who couldn't quite wear a suit property, properly. He was seen as a bit of a lightweight, I think, when he was first elected, I think, by the majority in Wales. And I think when COVID arrived, he showed himself to be a serious politician, a very uh, a man who, who looks at every piece of information available to him before making a decision. I think we, we know that, you know, there's a joke in the uh, um, in the Senedd in Cardiff, which the Welsh government in Cardiff is no piece of paper hasn't passed by. Uh, Mark Drakeford, and I think that made him look totally different 
to Boris Johnson, I think, who we know likes none of the detail, likes to talk and make his voice heard, but um, gives no attention to any of the details. So Mark Drickford showed himself in COVID to be a man who prepared for everything, read everything, and then made the decision quietly. And the fact that he you know, doesn't isn't keen on a, wearing a tie or a suit never affected anybody in Wales when 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 we had the terrible COVID crisis. And I suppose it's not always good to compare somebody to kind of like the worst possible example. So, you know, again, comparing to Boris Johnson is not something I would naturally want. I wouldn't want myself to be compared to Boris Johnson. You'd like to think there is, you know, no comparison. Anyway, I will continue with that, though. I read one article that when Mark Drickford put himself forward for the the leadership of the West Labour Party, he was quite um, hesitant at first. It's not he doesn't strike me as a man who has sought office for the sake of office. Uh, he doesn't strike me necessarily as a careerist. Um, if we think of Boris Johnson, his whole life's trajectory was to be, as he called it, the world king. Um, does is, does that come across? Does he come across as a chap who who? Well, I'm guessing from what Del Delph has said, he takes his role very seriously, and he's he's not there for himself as much as, as the public. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with what Dalit, how Dalit described him. He, he's, um, that preparation, I've, I've heard from rumours that he reads, as Della said, every every piece of paper, so he's thoroughly prepared. Just going back to the, he didn't do it for himself, he's doing it for, I would say, for the good of the nation. When he put himself, put himself forward, it wasn't, he wasn't going for, for a kind of grandstand career, it was there was a role to be done. He put himself forward to it, and yeah, as a as an ex academic, he wasn't too worried about his clothes. Um, he didn't have shoulder patches or elbow patches on his on his um, corduroy jacket, but it was that kind of thing. As a current academic, how much do you think about clothes, Elvis? Um, not very much, really. No, <laughs> not too much. No, it's it's. This is vain, but it's not my my looks that I sell. It's my ideas. yes, indeed, and I, indeed. And I think Mark is very much like that. He's he he'll go through the stuff, he'll present it, he'll try and give an unbiased unbiased, but the bias is towards trying to do what's best for the people of Wales. Um, he's value based. He, I think, one of the funny things that's happened over the last probably the last couple of years. Imagine leading a country through COVID, going through the twists and turns of the UK government, knowing there were deaths and all that kind of stuff, he kept his temper and then he finally lost his temper once in in the chamber. And we all cheered him. It was like, it was about time he stood up and said to the opposition, almost just shut up or get some, some facts behind your challenges. So yeah, very mild, free hardworking, he'll just get the job done kind of person. And I think another thing that he does that reinforces his not wanting his personal kind of celebration is that he'll, he, he won't be the one right at the front on all the opportunities, the photo opportunities. He, he will support the people who are doing the work to be in the, hi- in the highlight or the spotlight. Yes, so a very much a team player in that regard. Yeah. And something we are very definitely going to talk about very specific social work issues um, in a few minutes. But just to kind of continue to build the picture, I'm um, something I'm very conscious of and did make national media. It's the the decision. I, I would say it's 
my understanding, it was a rather unpopular decision to introduce a 20, 20 mile an hour speed limit in urban areas in Wales. And that's not necessarily been welcomed by the public. Um, does that suggest he's a man who is willing to take unpopular decisions? Or was that an instance of a man who was a bit out of touch with the mood in the country? I, I, I agree with you, really, in the 20 miles an hour as a council, local councillor. I've had as many complaints against 20 miles an hour locally as I have for 20 miles an hour locally. My feeling is that we should be looking at 20 miles an hour, but I think the um, process has been one that's been ongoing for more than a year. And the process of you know deciding where the 20 miles an hour goes, how long it is, and where it covers really has been onerous on local authorities, onerous on local councils. And I think now that we've worked with it for six months, I think there are areas where we should make some changes, I think. But what is really worrying me now is that the information I've got about making changes or reviewing, as the Labour Party call it, really, uh, is that you know local councils, local community councils, town councils, We'll have to be making the decisions really and becoming very unpopular in some areas and equally unpopular, unpopular for making the changes really. So that's what worries me is that the Welsh Government have set this up and the the end decision, I think the way I read it at the moment will be down to actually local councillors and town councillors. There are places, there are lots of places in England that have 20 miles an hour limits and I think Overall, it's a really sensible thing. But then I live in an in an urban area, and there's been you you can see the difference. And I think um, one one of the things might have been how how it was sold, how it was produced, and um, how it was launched. And I think that campaign against it it was it was an interesting survey where a huge proportion of people um, complained about the twenty mile an hour limit. And they included people from all over the world, including um, not to get party partisan, but including councillors from conservative parties in towns in England where they had brought in the 20 mile an hour limit. Right, okay. I suppose to me it was like, of all the things that have happened in the last 10 years, for people to really lose their, to get angry and motivated around the 20 mile an hour limit was a really strange thing. And, you know, if you read under the um, the headlines, there are, there are comments about Mark Drakeford, the dictator. <laughs> just yes, if you think about yes. the description we gave of him earlier, that's yes. it's just really funny. But then people start believing that kind of stuff. I think it could have been brought, brought in. It could have been sold better, but more and more people... Uh, are realising that actually, especially in cities and in residential areas, it's the way to go. My local area, we've been campaigning for 20 mile an hour limits for kind of five, six years and Mark Drakeford brought it in. There we go. It wasn't part of the Dallas, your party, Plaid Cymru. There was a cooperation agreement with the Welsh Government going back to 2021, isn't that right? Yes. Uh, the Senate has 60 members. We, um, Welsh Labour had 30 on the nose. So to basically have a programme for government, they had to enter into the cooperation agreement with Plaid Cymru. That wasn't part of that cooperation agreement, sure. Am I correct? No. 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 no uh, uh, Plaid Cymru, our leader, Rina Bjorweth, did call for a review I'm not sure what review actually means, but 
he did call for a review very early on. As I say, we're not against 20 miles an hour. I, you know, I'm absolutely, we've got a, um, and in, in my ward, we've got an area outside of school and it's a very straight, flat area. And we've got people going much too fast there. We've got mothers who have trained themselves in, um, you know, in speed, in, in clocking the speed. They've, they've worked with the police to clock the speed there. And really, I was all, totally happy for that to come in out that, outside that school. But just down the road, we've got quite a rural area with no school, no, no many amenities. And we've got a long, 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 I think it's maybe the the second longest stretch in Wales, which, you know, there's been a lot of complaints about. And I've, you know, tried it out myself, really. So I'm not against the 20 miles an hour. I'm just against the, the implementation was a bit ad hoc and leaving it to various councils and the the exclusions in some counties have been very high like my own county of Gwynedd and the exclusions have been very low in other counties so that's not the way I wanted it introduced. No problem at all. I'm keen just to move on though because the, I was mentioning the cooperation agreement and uh, in a word or two Plaid is a uh, Plaid Cymru you're a party of the left isn't that correct? Yes. Della, the reason I was asking is I'm aware that under Jakeford's leadership, Wales has seen a shift towards public ownership. Uh, that's similar in some ways to the policy agenda proposed by Jeremy Corbyn when he led the UK Labour Party. I'm um, thinking of rail services across Wales being nationalised. Uh, there was a public takeover of Cardiff Airport. Um, and then the, the party's cooperation agreement with your party outlines a plan, outlines a plan for a national construction company, UNOS, um, to support councils and social landlords to improve the supply of social and affordable housing. That doesn't sound like the policy agenda of the current UK Labour um, Party. It would be fair to say that Welsh Labour is significantly to the left of the UK Party. Abbott, would that be your assessment? Yeah, and it, it it works on a very social justice basis. Um, so public ownership, I think the ideas around um, social care not being profit-based, and we'll move on to social care later. But yeah, a, a left 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 of center far more left of center than the um Starmer's government yeah Starmer's government to be um potentially yeah. um yeah yeah um, sorry yes i think it's i think it's likely i think it's likely isn't it Abbott? but let's not part, nothing. Starmer's party don't you worry, don't worry. I totally understand. Totally understand. Um, yes, I mean, even in the in the partnership agreement, there she's around second homes and things like that. So very much, yeah. let's ensure that there is homes for everyone who needs them, rather than two homes for some who can and, and no homes for some who can't. Um, yeah, you mentioned social justice, and this is something I'm really keen to to talk about. Um, when I was reading, I was in um, Wales Online article from a few years back, an interview with Mark Drakeford. Um, so that will have been. I'm not sure if that was just before. Uh, or after he became first minister, but it was a number of years ago. Um, he talked about coming into politics. Uh, he he was inspired when he was working in probation. Mm. It was housing issues, terrible um, situations with um, uh, damp in flats of with people he was working with, and and he saw it as a very practical step to get those things sorted was to get into politics, you know, so very much kind of real world issues that matter to people, bread and butter issues, if you if you want to use that term. Um, yeah, and you said that his his approach to government has been marked by social justice. So, in terms of wider social work values, how have you seen those permeate the the program for government and the activities of the Welsh government? Um, well, um, I I want to link two things you said there the um, 
the collaboration between Play Cymru and the Labour Party have introduced together the um, the uh, concept of free school meals for every primary school child. That is absolutely something that Play Cymru wanted and Play Cymru um, made it very clear that that was one of their red lines, really. And as I say, we have introduced that in Wales now, uh, free school meal for every child. It hasn't, um, it's not actually for every child in the primary sector yet, but that's it. We're, we're rolling it out year by year, really. And having worked for a local authority until uh, um, 2022, really, the problem with the rollout was the actual physical issues of how many cookers schools had and how much provision they had. And Delth, can I ask, what's the motivation for every child? So for some families, they can't afford, some families they can. Is it to basically take away the stigma that comes with having Yes, to, it's a universal yeah. service. Play Cymru wanted a universal service for every child to, to bring our children out of poverty because we've got one in, in four uh, in, in Wales in poverty, which is, you know, higher than the rest of the UK, really. And we had to do something really radical and really change the face of, of poverty in Wales. I'm not saying we've arrived there or we're, we're even halfway there, but certainly having a free school meal or a hot meal every day for every child, whatever their background, whatever their uh, socioeconomic background really will help a lot in Wales. And Pai Cymru are really happy that we were able to work with the Labour Party and bring that about in Wales. I think it is about removing the stigma and an example would be around prescription charges. We have free prescriptions in Wales and it's for everyone. It, it, it's to, to not label poor children as, you know, those poor little children there or people who need medic, medicine. So universal services is a very, it's a Welsh perspective, really. And the, the partnership agreement, I mean, it talks a lot about, so the free school meals, yes, childcare provision, second homes, future social care, addressing homelessness, the national constructions company that I mentioned earlier. These are things that are, you know, very much social justice informed. It doesn't talk about economics an awful lot. And that was interesting. One article I read in terms of the cooperation agreement, it was saying very much this government has had its focus on social justice rather than economic development. And it's not a case of either or, but it is quite unusual to have a government which sets us all out that overtly, that this is, we are pursuing social justice, this is our focus, rather than economic growth. I'm not saying they're not trying to grow the Welsh economy, but it just, it struck me as a quite a brave uh, step for a government to take. I think um, Wales, Wales government is quite tied down to funding from Westminster government. And I know that that doesn't mean that we can't look at economic development, but it, it, I think social justice is seen as a as the first step that let's look at e- equalizing people's conditions. Um, yeah, explain that maybe we should have done that at the very start. So in Northern Ireland, the government works to the block grant from Westminster. The Northern Ireland executive, uh, the Northern Ireland executive, doesn't have tax raising powers. Yeah. What's the situation in Wales? Is it the same? Yeah, it's the same. We we work on the the funding from um, Westminster government. I think yeah. there are, there is talk about tax raising powers and that's being discussed. And Scotland does, the Scottish Parliament has um, some uh, uh, 
powers in relation to setting the rate of income tax, as I understand. Um, so there is variation across the UK. But yeah, it's it's important to recognise that, yeah, regional, sorry, the, Nas- the devolved nations governments, their hands are often very much tied by the, the funding package that they're receiving. And I think um, the last, probably the last 30 years, 40 years, Wales has been recovering from the closure of the mining industry, and it has had a massive impact. And there are turns, um, there were developments, and EU grants came in, and Wales was doing doing positively. Of course, those have gone, so we're relying much more on Westminster, which has made that conversation much more difficult. Mm. And, and yeah, probably not at the forefront. Social justice and equalising things is probably currently is the, is the key thing. Yeah, yes, you know, and from a North Wales perspective, it's exactly the same, really. We've had our um, slate industry decimated here as well, like the mines in South Wales, really. And the slate industry, you know, they, the, those areas did benefit quite a lot from European funding in terms of, you know, levelling sites and new developments on the former uh, slate quarry sites. So we did quite well out of um, uh, European funding. We could have done a much better, but really feels now as if we've lost that as well, really. And we've got some levelling up money here in, well, in North Wales, we've got levelling up money. It's not really embedded yet in the um, in the uh, structure of local government here, the levelling up money, which directly comes from local to local authorities from the Westminster government, which is a very um, interesting step to take, missing out the Welsh government step in terms of distribution of money, really. And I think, you know, the problem with anything that comes from Westminster, we're not clear whether it's continuing, how much there will be, how we try for it. So really the levelling up agenda, um, flagged up by um, Michael Gove in particular, uh, is very patchy here in Wales, in my opinion. It's something we don't talk much about, I suppose, in social work uh, as Basra maybe is around economics uh, and and how, you know, we talk an awful lot about social justice. We talk a lot about social security. We talk an awful lot about poverty, but then actually moving beyond to look at kind of like how we how we actually have a country which there is prosperity as opposed to addressing poverty. You know, that's pretty getting beyond us. But I, the reason I'm mentioning this, I was at an interesting um, lecture recently by Sir Michael Marmot, and he was talking about the UK uh, and he was talking about how if you take the southeast in London out of the UK, or um, you know, in terms of the level of wealth in the uh, in all the other regions, he he benchmarked it against um, it was Mississippi uh, in the in the United States, which is not thought of as a wealthy state. And basically, the argument is if you take London and southeast out of the UK economy, you know, we're not a wealthy country. And I suppose there needs to be conversation around how we how we stimulate wealth and growth across the country but I'm probably getting well beyond my remit here so I think we should move on coming back to social justice I've been sure laughing listeners can't see yeah we're moving on um so uh in 2021 Jane Hunt was appointed as minister for social justice um by Mark Drakeford and that role hadn't been included in a ministerial title since 2011 when the post was minister for social justice and local government I'm keen to know, you know, does that decision by Mark Drakeford to bring back the role and create it as a standalone ministerial post, is that is that a really tangible sign of his commitment to advancing social justice in Wales? Yes, yes, it is his commitment, really. It's an interesting, you know, interesting development that we've got Jane Hunt in that, uh, Hunt in that post. She is a woman, you know, who was um, a fought for uh, justice for women, um, she's worked in um, 
uh, worked with Vixia survivors of um, domestic violence, really, and uh, it's, it was an interesting appointment in itself, really. Uh, and certainly, you know, he, I'm assuming, really thought we had to tackle child poverty, which is an absolute, you know, the, one of the biggest issues we have in Wales. If we can do something to eradicate child poverty, then something will have been achieved in Wales. So I, I assume, you know, he had to focus on that, really. You know, the Westminster government is not going to focus on that. Um, doesn't see many other party in Wales, apart from Plaid Cymru and the Labour Party are focusing on that. So really, it seems to me that, you know, he wanted to address child poverty in particular, I think. I don't know what you think, Abbott. I was just going to say Jane Hutt rather than Hunt. Hutt. Did I say Jane Hunt? I did. It's in my uh, notes as Jane Hunt. I read I'm really this sorry. and I know her very well. <laughs> sorry, Jane Hunt. My apologies. Jane, if you're listening, I'm sorry, Abbott. Thank Thank you for the correction. And, and yes. her daughter's a social worker as well. So just in, in that kind of value-based thing. I suppose, yes, social justice is really important. And Jane, Jane Hutt is leading on the All Wales Anti-Racist Action Plan as well. So she's got quite a few briefs. I just wanted to go back to the partnership agreement with Clyde Cymru. And one one of the things um, the Welsh Government did, um, we had a motion that was plied-led around Gaza, and it was around um, really a really clear motion that was voted for by Seneth. And it, it, you know, it condemns the indiscriminate attacks on Gaza resulting in deaths and talking about collective punishment. So social justice, both within the, the nation, but also Wales is quite an internationalist view. And I think the partnership agree- agreement really yeah. pushes that. Uh, but can I just, I just, just on that though, on the Gaza issue, I'm keen to explore that a little bit more. I mean, okay. the Welsh, the Welsh government, they abstained. So it was a free vote in the Senate, yeah. um, but the government themselves abstained. Similar, I suppose, to the Westminster vote where um, Keir Starmer, he had whipped his MPs to abstain and obviously there was, a, I think, was it 56 or something, had had voted for the motion. So I'm just, I'm, I, I understand, I, I recognise that and that is obviously incredibly um, sensitive and contemporary issue. Yeah. But the Welsh government, they weren't, they weren't taking the lead as much as to say, we're going to back this motion. They allowed a free vote, but abstained themselves. Strickford abstained. That's, that's the thing that... that uh, the Labour Party in Wales didn't stop, didn't stop their members voting. So it didn't prevent that happening. Yes, yes. And and you see that, you tying that into the social justice agenda, is that, is that yeah. what you're saying? Yeah, I think, I think if um, the Welsh Labour Party had whipped members to vote against, there would have been uproar. Yes. I think that's, that's um, a social justice na- nature. And I know um, Wales voting voting on that doesn't make a difference in the international world, but actually each little country doing that makes a difference. And if you look at the and, countries that voted for it, they're, they're the places that have experienced um, being in control of another nation. And it's interesting because, yeah, like you said, um, the Welsh Assembly... Sorry, the, the, the Welsh, the Welsh government. It's the Parliament, isn't it? It's the Parliament. I, I'm, I'm using the wrong. Oh no, but in terms of oh, the body, yeah. the Senate, the Senate. If we translate, Senate is is Parliament rather than yeah. Assembly. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, we were an Assembly first of all, but we changed. Northern Ireland Assembly, 
Scottish Parliament, they don't have they don't have any control over international affairs. They don't have any role over kind of international relations. So it is a symbolic gesture. Is is, yeah. is what what passed in in, in Wales? Yeah. Um, if we uh, there's a there's a list. Of, I think everything we've talked about has been so relevant in terms of building that picture about. Uh, the Welsh Government and Mark Drickford's leadership, but there's a lot of stuff I really want to get into, which is very social work specific, um, which I'm really going to value your input on. Now, there may be others, but in terms of the things that I and my research thought were very, very kind of clearly um, social work specific in relation to Drickford's government, the Social Services and Wellbeing Wales Act 2014, um, which he oversaw as Health Minister, um, the Children Abolition of Defence of Regional Punishment uh, Act, um, the Universal Basic Income Pilot for Care Leavers, the Declaration Committing to the Radical Reform of Care Services for Children and Young People, and the aim to eliminate private profit from the care of looked after children, and finally, the ambition to create a national care service free at the point of need. Those are five different issues, and there's quite a lot there. So if we can kind of cover off as much of this as possible. Um, are you happy if we jump in, first of all, to the Social Services and Wellbeing uh, uh, Act from 2014? Um, as I said, that was brought in by Mark Drakeford when he was health minister. Um, and it's similar in many ways to the Care Act 2014 in place in England, but there are some differences uh, and they're pretty key. For example, while the Care Act obliged English councils to promote a diverse market and care provision, the Welsh Act placed the duty on authorities to promote the development of cooperatives, social enterprises and other third party services, but not Crucially, not the private sector. Mm. Do we know what impact that's had uh, on standards of care in Wales? There, there's ongoing research looking at um, how the how the social wellbeing act has had an, had an impact. I suppose that there isn't anything easy and straightforwardly available that shows this has changed. But the way that people work has changed. Um, the, the kind of principles of the act are around co-production voice and control, early intervention, the, the kind of giving, giving people who use services a voice in how things are, things are done, um, trying to move towards early intervention rather than crisis management. And that, that whole idea of social workers talking to people and asking them what, what matters to them rather than dictating what they're going to give them. Um, so there's a, there's a change in culture a lot of that is the Care Act as well, though, Abbott. It was it was the issue particularly around um, the, the the lack of private investment there is, is the issue I was kind of keenest to, to explore because I am no proponent of private investment yeah. in healthcare or certainly in social services. But what I'm kind of keen to know, someone who is a proponent would say, you know, private investment can offer up more opportunities, more choice. Do we know, do we know, has the focus on the third sector, on cooperatives, on social enterprises, do we know, has that been able to meet the need of people who, who require care? I I didn't find anything that showed whether it does or not. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Well, That's totally fine. From, totally fine. From, yeah, speaking from recent practice, really, you know, there are still private care providers here in North Wales. There are still... You know, they are very costly to local authorities. Local authorities want to provide and develop their own provision. Mm-hmm. Really, they have to invest in that in order to do that. That's their um, objective here in North Wales, is to provide in-house provision for uh, every child. Um, because of the settlement to Welsh governments, the recent settlement now in December, really hasn't given us any extra money, hasn't, in fact, you know, it's um, 
a real cut in terms of what local authorities have had. So we're finding it very difficult in investing in in-house services, which is the principle that we follow, really. Um, so I can't tell you, really, if it's worked or not, because um, the money to develop in-house services hasn't been there in the last um, five, six years. We skip ahead. Uh, the cooperation agreement, uh, it also makes the commitment to removing profit from the care of looked after children. And I don't know, Del, Del is, that, is that what we were talking about just there now yes. as a separate to the, the Care Act? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it's it's hard to, are we saying it's hard to tell at this stage whether or not that has had a clear impact? Yes, yes, because mo- most local authorities here in North Wales want to provide their own in-house uh, um, provision. They don't want to be having uh, private providers who are charging an awful lot of money, really, you know. And um, but we have got them here in North Wales. We've got very large private providers who who do deliver. I'm just talking about looked after children services in particular, really, because that's the background I come from is um, children services. And basically, we're not, doesn't look as if we're moving from um, outside providers to internal providers. That's the, um, that's the ambition, certainly. We made an episode of the podcast, it was some time ago now, I think it was called The Kids Aren't All Right, and it was my wonderful colleague, uh, Rebecca Pierre, mm-hmm. uh, talking about her time uh, in in care, she's a care experienced social worker and she works for Basel. Uh and it was all about unregulated placements and just how unsuitable they are and highlighting the many, many ways that focusing on private investment in children's social care goes so badly wrong. So in terms of an ambition of government in, in Wales, it's it's very much an, an, an admirable one, but it's, 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 it's helpful to kind of be able to discuss that and the extent to which that, that goal has been realised. It sounds very much like a not yet. Yeah, yeah. Yes, or not yet, but still a really clear ambition. If you don't set the ambition, um, but if you don't set any sort of target, yeah. it's not going to happen. You know, yeah. so to have that at least as a, I suppose what I'm interested in though that was that was laid out in the cooperation agreement. Uh, Plaid, as I understand, Plaid Cymru don't plan to renew the cooperation agreement. I'm guessing though that commitment to not having um, profit made from children's social care services is a commitment that's going to be held up by both. Welsh Labour and Plaid Cymru, I imagine it's not the sort of one you're going to roll uh, back on. I would need to correct you a bit there about Plaid. I'm not going to um, renew the cooperation agreement. There's no decision one way or the other. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Has that been? Has that been the position? I, I'm. I'm sure. I'm sure I've read that. That 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 that's been put out. Has that been revised, um, Delith, or have I have I got that wrong? Uh, my understanding is that you know there's no. Uh, decision to come to an end with the co- the cooperation and there's no decision either to carry on with it really I suppose um okay that, that's that, that, that is something of, you are a politician that is something of a politician's answer though because if it's not going to be continued or it's not going to be uh, revised but I, I will defer to you as <laughs> as the the member of Plaid Cymru and, and the councillor so, that well, that it's not something I, you're, you're stepping away from discussions and you know yes. we haven't said we're going to discontinue it no Okay, thank. I think the election of the new first minister will dictate a lot of that as well. Hmm. Sure, yes, that would make sense. Yeah, yes, yeah. As I say, I know you know it's a politician's answer, but certainly no one in Pycombe said to me, "We're bringing it to an end, and yeah. this is the date; it's coming to an end." Nobody said that okay. to me. 
Thank you, Delph. Um, Mark Drickford's tenure as First Minister saw the passage of the Children Abolition of Defence of Reasonable Punishment, Wales Act, um, that received royal assent in March 2020. Mm. Uh, and after a two-year implementation period, it came into force on the 21st of March 2022. We've also made an episode on this some time ago, uh, looking at um, the campaign to have smacking banned in England. And I'm sure at that stage we did talk about what had happened in Wales. Um, so this is about protecting children's rights, the idea that Abbott, you and I have a row. I'm not allowed to smack you. Uh, you know, you you know. Similarly, why should a child be allowed to be smacked as as a form of punishment? Um, tell us about. Tell, can you tell me about that act? Can you tell me how it's been received by the public? And do we know uh, has it actually had any material effect in terms of how children are being treated in Wales? I think um, it, it follows on the principle from the Social Services and Wellbeing Act, where where we stopped looking at child protection and adult protection. We looked at protection of people, so the rights were similar. I think, um, um, of course, there's ongoing evaluation of it. And in terms of people's fears that there'll be people going to prison for smacking their children, in the first year, there are only five, five incidents that were reported towards criminal investigation. The majority of people were offered... Um, support and education. I think in terms of public public perception or public views, the number of people who agree that it's wrong to smack children is increasing in, in surveys. Um, so again, it's probably a subtle cultural change that the, the thing itself wasn't going to stop some people hitting their children because they just would but it stopped it being okay, stopped it being the normal way of managing children. And it's based on all that research that smacking children doesn't actually improve behaviour. So. Yes, I remember re- reading a quote, someone saying, uh, maybe, maybe it was on Twitter some time ago, you know, the, the attitude that I was smacked as a child and it didn't yeah. do me any harm. Yeah. But yes, it, yes, it did, because it made you think smacking children is fine, you know. Um, yeah. Yes. And you look at those people, really, and how they deal with life. You're thinking, yeah, it did you, you some harm. <laughs> really, that's yes. what the feeling was. Really, people would say that, and those are people who are have got a few, you know, anger issues and other issues with dealing with life. Really, yes. I think there was like that initial, mm-hmm. you know, um, the state can't nanny status and the state can't tell parents how to bring up its children, all that kind of stuff. Public perception, public views have moved, and I suppose that was mm-hmm. probably the aim of it. That we don't think it's all right anymore. So yes, hopefully yes. there are less into less it's seen less as a norm. And of course there will be incidents where children are beaten, but they were gonna happen anyway. It's just yeah, just moving. Yes. Yeah. And I suppose it's making that distinction between a beating a child is a crime and has been a crime for a long time, as opposed to what was considered smacking and yeah. considered by some people appropriate. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, and, I mean, it's, it kind of goes without saying. But you know, what's a smack to me might not be a smack to you, really. That yes. is the problem, yeah. really. Absolutely. You know, what I'd consider a bit of a, you know, touching your hand maybe would be a smack to somebody else or the other way around, really. You know, a, a, a an assault by some people would be, you know, disciplining. Their, their child really and that was the problem yeah. who knows which one it is really and it yeah. made that a conversation that none of it is right yes mm. yes and yeah I mean just the, the very basis of it you know violence doesn't solve anything yeah. you know so yeah trying to teach a child don't hit because they're just going to go and hit somebody else because they're yeah it, 
like I said, it goes without saying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, another key issue, universal basic income trial for um, young care leavers. So in 2022, the Welsh Government introduced its universal basic income pilot scheme. And that trial involved paying monthly payments of £1,600 each to a group of, I think it was 635 care leavers. Uh, it was offered to all young people leaving the care system at the age of 18. And it's been announced recently that the scheme won't be extended beyond 2025 because of the costs involved. Now, even trialling that scheme was a very bold step. Um, do we know what impact it's had? Do we know also what the public's reaction to it was? Maybe we start with impact and then move on. The, the impact is being studied um, by Cascade, which is a children's research centre. It, it, it's When it initially was set up, it was going to look at the impact after two years rather than looking halfway through. Um, so that's looking at the impact. Um, there's no up-to-date data that shows where it is. Sally Holland, the ex-children's commissioner, is the lead researcher on it. So we're expecting we're expecting findings from that over the next year. I think one of one of the things that happened was that more more young people signed up for it than was were expected. So the cost was huge, and though it's not going to be continued, there's going to be work almost um, helping them come off that income. So no clear answer, sorry. Um. No, not at all. I mean, it's just one of those things when you think about, I mean, I I previously was on the board of a charity in Northern Ireland called Voipic, Voice of Young People in Care. I, I'm not I'm entirely sure of the equivalent in Wales, but it was an organisation which represented people in care and mm. care leavers. And it's just, you know, when I think of the privileges that I've had in my life in terms of that stage of, you know, you know your early adulthood and yeah. the, support, was the support I received from parents, Compared to a young person in care, you know, and it's just that desire to do the best for people. And, you know, financial support is a huge part of that. Mm. Emotional support is another huge part of that. But it seemed to me such a such a worthwhile um, pilot to trial. Do you, do, you, do you feel there was public sympathy for it? Or was it seen as a sort of a bit of a giveaway by people who may not have been as, as, um, as, as um, compassionate, potentially, towards people who are in care? This will come over as a really cynical, biased opinion, but the the same old voices that blasted the 20 mile an hour limit blasted this as well. And they were saying that what it's going to do, it's going to encourage immigrants to come across the channel to get their <laughs> money. And and I suppose the funny thing about this is that in in the world, we can see how ridiculous that claim is. And that, that was the main claim. Um, I, I, yes, it's expensive. I think everyone, everyone sees and understands that children grow, growing up in care do need that kind of backup. But we, we do live in a bubble, so I, I didn't meet those people who are condemning it. Well, maybe, and, um, maybe we sorry. should have though. I'm just wondering. Maybe we should, maybe those conversations are important to have, Abbott, and to explain that. Yeah, you know, and the ridiculousness of that. I think there's an awful lot to be said about having conversations. You know, when somebody comes at you with a a really polar opposite view from where you're at. Yeah, I found recently, just in my personal life, trying to engage with those individuals rather than run. Not sorry, not run from the conversation. <laughs> that's that's not what I'm saying. To engage and actually have that. See, when you sit down with somebody face-to-face. -face. It's hard. It's lovely seeing you guys on Zoom, but different when you're face-to-face, -face, looking someone in, in the face, having those tough conversations. When you can see the other person's humanity as much as hearing their view, which may be, you know, totally 
um, alien to you or something you just can't engage with. But see, when you see the humanity in the other person, much, much harder to have the fight. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's a challenge to me as much as anyone else to have those conversations when there is the difference. But sorry, Del, I, Del, I, I spoke over you <laughs> to, to, to make that big No, I spoke over point. you probably. I think the right-wing press in Wales, like in other parts of the UK, you know, they they sent out this message of, you know, um, um, people uh, um, seeking asylum here are getting this money and, you know, it's freebies and this kind of stuff, really. The right-wing press, um, you know, had some really nasty things to say, really, about this money, really. And I think once uh, the right-wing press lost interest, I think, you know, nobody said anything about it. And as you say, you know, it's money to set up somebody who has had an absolute terrible start, really. And now having been a child protection social worker for well, 40 years, unfortunately, you know, the, you know, the when I started my career, really, it was children care leavers, young care leavers who were mainly people coming to social services for help. There was no structure for them. There was no money for them. You know, we have in Wales um, had the money um, you know, the care leavers allowance since then, really, which has given young people a bit of a cushion when they leave the care system. My problem, I've been reviewing office for some of my career, really. My problem was young people, you know, reached the 18 years old and wanted, you know, nothing to do with the social, with the care system, nothing to do with social workers. And really, if they had engaged with social workers, they would have got some help in terms of funding for courses, in terms of funding for housing and things, really. So we did have quite a good structure in terms of payments to leaving care young people before. But this, to me, just made it a bit better and a bit more universal that you didn't have to go to through so many hoops to get it. But the right-wing press were saying things about, you know, They'll come here especially to have it and people from other areas of the world will come here to have it, really. And I can't see any evidence of that because I'm sure the right-wing press would have told us about that if there was any evidence. Yes, sometimes these arguments aren't, aren't based on, on much evidence or facts, let's be honest. Yeah. Um, I mean, th- there's another couple of points I wanted to run through. I'm just going to scan over this because I think this is, this is in terms of values, this is more about values and it's, it, it aligns with a lot of what we've talked about. But in May 2023, First Minister signed a declaration committing to the radical reform of care services for children and young people. Now, there's a number of points in that. One, commitment to reducing the number of children in care, largely through keeping families together, better focus on early intervention and uh, support for parents and children, um, and also commitment to putting the voice of children and young people at the heart of the transformation of children's services. A lot of that was spoken about, and I think probably don't have time to get into the big point I wanted to talk about next, and this is part of the cooperation agreement. Um, that is about the Welsh Government and Plaid Cymru's shared ambition for the creation of a national care service, which is free at the point of need. That's a big ambition. How close is the Welsh Government to delivering that, uh, Delith? Is that very much still in the planning stages or is there, has there been anything towards delivery? Well, from where I'm sitting as a local councillor, really, we're struggling with pay, paying for our social care pill, bill, really. We're struggling every year. Our bill is, is increasing every year. Our uh, ageing population is increasing every year. Our population... Generally, North Wales here is decreasing. Our younger 
population is decreasing. So we're struggling with the settlement we got uh, uh, from Welsh Government in terms of funding for the next year in lo- in local authority. Really, we're struggling to pay for social care. We are paying for social care. We um, we think it's the way ahead, certainly. We want to pe- give people choices, but we are really struggling to pay for social care here in North Wales. Now, it's really interesting because you're saying that as the local councillor. If you can step back from that, if that's possible, Delith, you are also a social worker, you're a registered social worker. What does the social worker head on you say in relation to that issue? Well, I've never worked in adult services, you know. I've only worked in children's services. Sure, sure. <laughs> I'm I sorry, it, I've, I've it, not got much to say about adult okay. social care because okay. I worked in children's services all my almost all my life. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, okay, that's fine. No worries. Abbott, I'll, I'll defer to yourself then. I actually worked on the the report for the National Care Service. It's an ambition to work towards a National Care Service that'll take, that'll realistically take probably 10 years. The first stages are about establishing an actual office and a post, and those have been done. And now there's research being carried out around the viability of it. So it is things like removing profit from from care, um, about changing systems. In, in Wales, I mean, the strengths of Wales is that it's a small nation with a smallish population, three million people, access to government, but systems within all those are very different. So we're looking at unifying systems to, to just become much more efficient and hopefully save money over the long term. But we're in the very early stages. It's been agreed by um, Senneth, it's going forward. Come, not come back in 10 years' time, but um, there will be changes over the next couple of years. And as I said, one of the first steps has been the, the opening of an office, the appointment of people to start to bring things together. Um, I can probably spend hours talking about details of the plan, but... <laughs> I think we might do this again because I know in Scotland there's the there's the National Care Service is uh, they're a step ahead I believe yeah. and it's it's an issue I'm not that familiar with and I think it would be interesting to actually look at in different nations where that's moving to but it's interesting what you say about the economics of it because there's always that argument and it's mm. one that we've made um, you know if older people can't have domiciliary support and care when they're in the community when they're being discharged from hospital for example. You know, it just is that cycle then of, you know, yeah. somebody, their health deteriorates or they have a fall, they end back up in acute services. And we know how expensive that is. And I just wish, I just wish government would have a, a focus on um, the bigger picture in terms of where you're making savings here, you're you're incurring costs over here. And there needs to be a much better kind of plan into terms of how we think about health and social care in its totality rather than almost like two separate issues. Yeah. Um, but that is, yeah. a, that, that is unfortunately a probably a bigger argument, uh, sorry, bigger conversation than we have time for now because- well, before- what I, what, Yeah, what I would like to say really to add to that really is that community hospitals were a local resource that worked well here in Wales for a number of years where people could um, have some care after leaving the acute services and they could, you know, have some reablement after a stroke or whatever and return home. The the system of community hospitals based in communities where, you know, people uh, could visit their relatives easy is a system that worked very well here in Wales and really the closure of those community hospitals over the last 20 years has really made it much more difficult 
for people to have local care. Yes, absolutely. And, and knock on impacts in terms of discharge from acute. Um, uh, Mark Drakeford steps down in March. He is going to have a successor. There can only be one of two potential successors, as I understand, in terms of who put their names forward. They are the current economy minister, Von Gething, who I do have some knowledge of. He has a sort of a national profile. But then Education Minister Jeremy Miles, who, apart from reading articles in The Guardian recently, I didn't know who Jeremy Miles was. Quick, can we get a quick kind of overview of those two individuals, um, uh, what they stand for, and if I could push it, who you would see as as your preferred um, successor? If if I can, you don't have to answer that if it's not possible. <laughs> So Von Gething, Von Gething, he, uh, if, we could, if we could start with him, uh, he is, as I said, um, the economy minister. Who is Mr. Gething? Uh, um, he's, a, he's a qualified lawyer and did student politics. And he's been supported by trade, un- trade union branches. Um, he's been, and yeah, he's, he's far better known of the two of them. Um, and he lives just down the road from me, so I'm on nodding terms with him. That's um, all right. Which may help social work in Wales in the future. Who knows? Um, <laughs> Jeremy Miles, um, he's quieter, but he's coming to the fore more and more, of course. Education minister, um, you will know that education in Wales is changing slightly around um, taking an anti-racist perspective, those kinds of things. So he's, He's been involved in a variety of things. Quite hard, apart from the personal bit about, you know, my my member of the Senef um, and a neighbour, I have no view really which would be better. Would it be fair to say that neither of them are as far to the left as Mark Trickford? Yeah. If I picked that up correctly? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. But no both God. would mark it. It would be significant. Von Gething would be the first black first minister and um, Jeremy Miles would be the first gay first minister. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. Do you have well, a we view? Haven't had um, many, Delif- we haven't had many first ministers in Wales. We only had our Senate in 1997. So we yes. haven't had a range of first ministers, really. Yes, but both it would be both historic in, in certain ways if, if either of those individuals so it would it would mark it would mark a watershed for the for the for the for the nation, I'm sure. Um but do you have a preference? Um if if you're thinking as a from a member of a party uh, that's not in government, Dallas, wh- who do you think would be most um amenable to working with your party? There's the question. There's not much between them really. Yes, they're 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 what I call center of party of labor party really there's nothing you can't put a piece of paper between them i don't think um uh, um jeremy miles has uh, um uh, um he is able to communicate in welsh and english uh, which would probably you know in terms of um the interface with north wales local authorities would help him quite a lot i think um, he's from the valleys isn't he Yes, yes. And really, he has grappled with uh, issues around the Welsh Language mm-hmm. uh, Act and the uh, Welsh language uh, policies relating to education. I don't think that's been an easy gig for him. That's not been an easy gig because that's a difficult gig in Wales, really. You know, the Welsh language and education in Wales and how... How do you define, how do you categorise schools, which is changing also in Wales? So, you know, that's a difficult um, 
difficult one for him because, you know, people who have experienced um, education through the media of Welsh here in Wales have a different view on on the delivery of education in Welsh. I didn't. I had an English education here in Wales. So, you know, my perspective is going to be different that everything we get in Welsh in Wales is an improvement on what I got. Uh, but ha- having said that, my husband had um, went to a, um, a Welsh language only school. So his perspective is going to be very different, really. So I think, you know, um, he's had to grapple with that, really, Jeremy Miles. And I, I'm aware that um, that uh, um, von Gething is learning Welsh at the moment. But if we if we kind of move beyond that issue, uh, apart from Abbott being able to doorstep uh, von Gething in terms of lobbying, who do you presume will be better for social work in Wales? If we finish with that, I just wanted to come in to say that neither will be as good as the first minister, <coughs> the first ministers, first ministers we've had. So if you think of the very few we've had. Um, Roger Morgan, whose wife was a social worker, Mark Drakeford, whose background is social work. They have helped create a Wales that's positive towards social work. Um, and yeah, I can't come down on either of either of the two. Okay, no worries. Sorry. Well, listen, thank you. Th- no, that's totally fine. Thank you for sharing. Listen, Dallas, um, Abba, thank you for being so open. Thank you for sharing. Uh, I've really enjoyed making this episode. It's been great working with both of you. Thank you so much for coming on to Let's Talk Social Work. Thanks, Andy. Thank you.